Ladies and gentlemen, you got Chris Thomas. You got Jamal Thomas. And you're listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. What is going on, everybody? What is going on? And you're listening to us on 98.5 WJYN, on UptownRadioPhilly.org, online music box, and live on YouTube, Uptown Radio. And, man, WJYN 98.5 Uptown Radio on YouTube. And, man, week one is football season is officially upon us. Nonstop football until the month of February. And week and it wouldn't be any NFL without a thrilling week one. Uh, one of my favorite week ones in recent memory. I mean, the football was sloppy. The guys were clearly rusty across the league. But for the most part, I think we can agree there were some exciting games. There were some encouraging signs, some rookies, some OGs, some teams that look like they might be slightly above the grade. But week one is always deceptive. There are some teams who look great on week one and pick top five in the lottery, and some teams that look bad that have a home playoff game. So we'll see. <clears throat> Excuse me. Obviously, we want to start with the most devastating news of the weekend. Um, anybody who knows Chris and I know how uh, – Bigger fans we are of A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, the news broke today, earlier this morning, uh, that he officially has a torn Achilles, and he will be missing the remainder of the 2023 season. And obviously, with him being 40 next year, even his career is up in the air. <clears throat> uh, the Jets' offensive line has obviously been a problem the last couple of years. It's no secret that you can make fun of Jack Wilson all you want, but... I don't think a lot of people could throw behind that line. And Aaron Rodgers proved it because he didn't even get a chance to. Um, freak accident. Uh, Leonard Floyd put his weight on the top of A-Rod. He tried to pivot and uh, put a little much too much pressure on that Achilles, and it snapped, obviously. I've never torn an Achilles, but I've seen the injury a million times. And when you rewatch the video, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Either that or his ankle was broken from collapsing. Uh, I guess to the game, Zach Wilson came in and was okay. Uh, he didn't ruin the game. Uh, Brees Hall looked fresh, definitely fresher than Dalvin Cook. I want to talk about that, not just because he's on my fantasy team and he crapped the bed, but also because he just looked like he didn't have any explosion. Was that just me? Like every like every Brees Hall run, it felt like because obviously the Jets' O line is more of a run blocking line than a pass blocking line. That is their strength. Yeah, Maulers. Exactly. But I also want to say that they were creating the same size or the same types of holes for Brees and for Dalvin. It just felt like Dalvin had no oomph. I don't know if that's rust. I don't know if that's an injury he's dealing with. I don't know if – but, you, I don't. I mean, I know the running back thing is like six years, and if you think about it, he's 28, 29. Like, it's easy to see where he could be, for lack of a better term, getting old, right? But – I think my biggest thing, and I don't know how you feel in this regard, is just like Brees looked fresher every time. It looked like he got to the hole faster. He knew his gaps faster. He just hit the hole and went. Was making guys miss. I mean, obviously, the 83-yard run last year, he probably scores there. But uh, obviously, his wheels and his trust in his wheels will come back as the season goes on. Gary Wilson's a stud, man. We've been argue- we were arguing, you know, the, leaks, the weeks leading up off air. For people that didn't know, Chris and I both had Garrett Wilson as our not only wide receiver one, but our number one overall player on the board. And if you guys saw the catch last night, I think we're both vindicated in that. Obviously, Chris having him on your team, so congrats on that. Um, I don't know, man. He's just like a I, – I, I think for lack of a better term, and maybe Chris will agree with this or not, he's Antonio Brown reincarnated out on crazy. He run every route. 
He can beat you over the top. He can beat you in the immediate. He can beat you short. He can make spectacular catches. He can run after the catch. He literally can. He's the if there are like let's say two to three different types of archetypes of receiver. You got the T.O. the athletic freaks. You got the uh, uh, Randy Moss speed speedsters, speedsters with length, and then you got like the Jerry Rice guys like Devontae and stuff like that. He's in that ilk where he can just kind of do everything. And he is a Swiss Army knife man. And just seeing him bail out Zach Wilson and it sucks that we didn't get to see him and A-Rod really get to connect. And, I, you know, I do hope A-Rod comes back and play. Uh, shout out to the Jets defense also. Uh, played a great game. Obviously, we'll talk about when we talk more about Buffalo, about why, you know, I think them playing a great game was a bit easier. But the line constantly got pressure. Their secondary is serious, man. Mm-hmm. Whitehead was where he needed to be all night. Sauce is a top five corner already. Reed is a great second guy. I like that he played with heart. I like that the cool part about Reed, and I think corners in general, and I gain so much respect as getting older and watching football differently than when you're younger, is for him to have Diggs beating him all night. But when it mattered late in the fourth quarter for him to make a couple plays to stop Diggs was everything that you needed to know about what it is to impact something, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, shout out to them. Man, uh, John Franklin Myers. Quentin Williams is a monster. Quincy Williams is a monster. Side to side like that. That defense is as advertised. Um, we're going to see if they can keep it up all year. Uh, I wanted to know, like, I don't want to put the pressure on you, but I also don't want to be like, oh, I'm going to beat down Josh Allen. You know how I feel about that. We, we all have our guys, and we try to, you know, you and I, we give each other credit. We try to be sensitive. It, is Josh Allen gone forever after the Bengals playoff game? Like, is it done? I think you called it back in January when you was like, the man, the bills are soft. I mean, obviously, you know, the pass rush did what he did because they took advantage of a bad Jets offensive line. You know, Jordan Phillips got to the – Jordan Phillips obviously got the big sack. Um, um, you know, uh, Matt Milano still pretty good. Javius White is still a pretty decent – Jordan Poirier is still there. Yeah, Michael Hyde, you know, whenever he's on the field. Um, they, they have pieces. And, you know, obviously, Stephon Davis is going to give 110% no matter – Who's out there? And they are getting Vaughn back at some point in whatever shape he might be in. Yes. But the same issues that the reason why they lost last year reared his ugly head last night. Granted, the Jets' defense is much better than Cincinnati's defense, but still, the problems are the same. Offensive line is good, not great. Mm-hmm. They don't have a lead. They don't trust their running game at all. At all. And even when they try to, it doesn't really work. They don't have an identity at running back. At all. And too much is dependent on, you know, Josh Allen making all these spectacular plays. And someone really said the the real thing was like, I don't know how Josh Allen, like, isn't on concussion protocol every single week. Because you see the way he runs. You see the way he takes those tackles. Like, the guy literally puts himself in legitimate harm's way. He does not protect himself at all. At all. He's Carson 2.0. He's just bigger, so he's been getting away. He's more built like Cam than like Carson, yeah. so he's been getting away with it longer. But he got rung a couple of times last night. Also wanted to touch base on you with something where, like, I feel like the last four years, especially I guess they've had Stefan for three now. Yeah. The last four years, I want to say, if we look through the draft order, and I don't want to say this without checking it, we'll check this throughout the show and we'll let you guys know. But at some point in each of the four drafts, I guarantee you in any round, they could have had a running back that changes the entire complexion of his offense. Do you agree with me? I agree with you. Whoever you want to name, Brees, 
who else has come in the league in the last four years? Najee Harris. Najee. Like, any of these guys, Nick, probably at some point, somehow, some way, like, you could have had any of these guys, and it feels like no position group in the NFL has struggled to cultivate anybody who means something more than the Bills running backs. Like, even if you if you take Shady away, their last real running back was what? Beast mode? Willis McGahee. Travis Henry? Well, that's a trivia question right there. That's a trivia question right there. You know we got the deep cuts here on the Running Back Sports Show. Yeah. We know our stuff. If it's the last 25 to 30 years. Shout out Travis Henry and J.P. Lawson was the future at was one point. Was the future at one point. So I say that to say is like certain teams are cursed with positions, and it's like it feels like since Thurman Thomas, obviously, even if you count beast mode, you trade him, they can't get running back right. And it feels like they need to really think this offseason, whoever the guy coming out of the – I don't know who the number one – I know obviously, Chris, you watch more college than I do. I don't know if there's a guy coming out this year. There is no Bijan. There is no Saquon. And I mean, that doesn't mean you can't get somebody. But like, if no, there isn't, team, there isn't a caliber. But even still, then there are plenty of running backs throughout the trade market you could have literally gotten. Could have got Dalvin. Could have got Dalvin. You could have got Christian McCaffrey. You could have. Who would have been perfect for this offense? You could have paid the, the picks for Saquon, which would have been per- he would have been even more perfect for this offense. Yeah, you know, giving you some toughness, a guy who can run between the tackles. Now, there, obviously, there's he's a guy. Problem. There's a guy available from. For them right now, they can obviously fly out there. Uh, you know, the guy was a you know former uh, who was top three in NFL rushing uh, back when he was in Kansas City, Kareem Hunt. That's an easy one. You can sign Kareem Hunt tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I say all I have to say is, when do we start questioning Sean McDermott? Because obviously Josh Allen is one thing, right? But it feels like okay, volume tends to lead to mistakes, right? Yes. If you're going to throw 40 to 50 times a game, it's more than likely that you're going to throw an interception or two, maybe even three if you're a more mistake-prone quarterback. Why constantly put Josh Allen in a position to throw 36, go 36 to 51 or uh, 42 to 60 in crazy numbers like this when he should be going 20 to 35, 17 to 26? You know what I mean? 17 to 26 for 255, three touchdowns. He should be getting A-Rod numbers. The reason that you were able to preserve A-Rod's second act in Green Bay was because of Aaron Jones, because of A.J. Dillon, because of Matt LaFour's trust in their offensive line and their ability to run the ball. You need to do the same thing in Buffalo, and you need to do the same thing for Josh Allen. Um, I, my biggest thing that I, that I just think with this team is, is this a lost season? Because we talked about this, and it's crazy that, you know, a lot of our stuff has come true in the last two years, but we talked about – Everybody's due. We talked about Cincinnati being due for a bad year, and we talked about Buffalo being due for a bad year. And they both looked pretty terrible in week one. Now, obviously, it's week one. We got three and a half months of football gloriously to go. We, got, You and I know, Chris, this is, this is far from over. Um, but it didn't look encouraging against a team that you had all reason to beat, a team you were up 13-3 on who lost their starting quarterback on week one in prime time. And you let them rally back to beat y'all in overtime on a, on a punt. Your run. offense is too damn – your offense, even with the running back issues, your offense is too damn good in order for you to not score a single point up until then. Exactly. So, um, we've talked about the Jets. Obviously, Zach Wilson probably isn't the answer. It would be interesting to see Kaepernick get a chance. It would be interesting to see Cam get a chance. It would be interesting to see if someone's on the trade market and they're willing to give up a pick for a guy. Um, You know – I guess since, you know, we're working backwards and 
there's not really much to say about Buffalo at this point and New York at this point. I think they're two teams that, for lack of a better term, with the A-Rod injury and what we've seen from Buffalo, aren't contenders, either one of them. I don't think that's crazy to say so far in week yeah. one. And, Buffalo, and, and let us be clear, they're not Super Bowl contenders. Super Bowl contenders, yes. They, they neither, none, neither one of them look like cohesive, organized teams. You can garner and get better during the season. I'm not saying that because Philly looked out of sorts at certain points, and we're going to get to that. But I am also saying that just like Philly had an identity they can lean on and win, New England had an identity and a game plan to play against us. And it worked well because newsflash, Bill Belichick's a good coach, Chris. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, didn't notice. It's crazy. Um, but uh, I, I, w- I, I did want to say, oh, do you have anything to say about the Monday night yeah. game? Any, any, I'm sorry. And I'll just say that I don't know if we're talking about this game next, but I'm sorry, like, I can't stress how much Josh Allen is missing Brian Dable. Oh, yeah, no, we were going backwards, so we were going Sunday night next. Yeah. We had to talk about this massacre and how we had to hear the media. The MedLife massacre. Yeah, no, that was disgusting. So, I mean, all right. Let's that's, a, that's a wild 24 hours. That's a wild 24 hours. So, let's get to Monday. Um, I mean, Sunday night, excuse me. Sunday night football. Shout out our girl, Carrie Underwood. Still sounding as good after 15 years, man. As a football fan, if that doesn't get you going, I don't care black, white, you like country music, you like rap music. I like to hear me some Carrie Underwood before I hear the game. Queen of Teeth was singing the national anthem. Right. I mean, it was a good vibe. Uh, and then the game started, and I guess the worst possible scenario happened because we already don't fear the Giants. But then to see how, and we're nothing if not fair because we are sports analysts and it's a sports radio show, Dallas looked damn good. Dallas looked damn good. Let's be honest, Chris. I know New York looked bad, but we have to give the devil his due. Dallas looked good. Dak looked crisp for the most part. Pollard looked good. I like the kid, Duwanale, whatever his name was. Um, the defense looks ferocious, man. And they got speed on every level. Um... I think the biggest thing is Mike McCarthy didn't crap the bed calling plays. So that's something to monitor. I I expect him to do that at some point during the season. It'll happen. It'll happen. It's Mike McCarthy. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you is, does this collection of talent and the cohesion that they have, is this a Dallas team that finally scares you? No. I'm just being real. Like, I got to – it's week one. Obviously, I can't – everything that we've seen in week one – got to take with a grain of salt. We got to take with a grain of salt because <coughs> week week one is not the final product in terms of what we're going to be seeing, like, midway through the season or, like, November or, like, they're running to January. That being said, I don't know how to – but the Giants – But I'll, I'll touch more on the Giants first before I gotta go into Dallas. You had a re- you had a good season last year. Took advantage of probably Wake. Took advantage of a playoff opportunity against going to going to Washington. Daniel Jones had a good Daniel Jones had a really had the game of his life. Same thing with Saquon. Obviously losing the division around the field. And it's weird. It's like they really didn't do anything to really improve themselves. Yeah. Like obviously, like obviously the moves in terms of what Dallas what Dallas has done. Obviously traded for Stephon Gilmore. And that is that is that is a ridiculous two headed monster. With Robert Bland now playing in the slot, that's a terrifying trio. 
that's that's going to be in the secondary with Michael Parsons, Robert Reeing up on Michael Gallup and going to give B Cooks. Yes, like like obviously like the top guys, like the top guys, like all the playoff teams, I can say legitimately got better with just by moves. Yep, Niners, Cowboys, Eagles, the top three teams in the NFC got better. Yes, the Giants didn't didn't, and it showed. The prioritization is wrong. Like, but I mean, at this point, the saddest part is the situation they put themselves in, Chris, is with going in back to back drafts, getting Saquon and getting Daniel Jones, you had to pay them. Because they just, in a New York team that has struggled since the glory days of Eli and Justin Tuck and Plexico and all those guys, those guys won a playoff game. You could not justify to those fans not paying those guys and keeping them around. Yeah. So they were in between a rock and a hard. I don't have an issue with that. My issue is that you have to do better in terms of trying to improve this offense more than just getting like an injury riddle there on Waller. You still have no legitimate number one wide receiver, and your offensive line is still terrible. No, defense, I'll I'll cut the defensive rate. There's only so much you can do over all when your offense continues to give you three and outs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This isn't the 85 Bears or the 2000 Ravens, which, okay, it don't matter how many times we, we can play up regardless. But but the Giants but the Giants look absolutely horrible. Dallas, uh, Dallas, let's say this. Defense looks absolutely stacked. Offensively, if Tony Pollard's, Tony Pollard looks really good also. CeeDee Lamb looks like he doesn't miss a step either. And Dak was okay. Dak didn't need to be impressive. At that point, the game was still out of hands. You got spotted a 15-point lead before you could really try to orchestrate an offense. There's really nothing much you really needed to do. Exactly. So, everything was all clicking. You Now you're going, I believe, you're going home to now play a New York Jets team now without Aaron Rodgers. So, exactly. So, this is an opportunity. So, if Dallas continues to play, you know, at this level, then... I can't take what we've seen in the past, you know, as the actuality and the reality. You have to take what you see in terms of what's being presented in front of you. And that being said, Dallas does look scary. That being said, I don't think they're a threat until I legitimately see proof, like going into like a division around if they play, whether they come to whether they come to the link or like they win the division and they play the Eagles or the 49ers and they finally get over that hump. Yeah, no. Um, obviously, as you know, we joke and you know, we serious lifelong Dallas haters. Um, you you can see that this core group is their best chance in the last thirty years to do something with. Um, they got off to a good start. New York needs to get it together. Brian Dable, I, I think, will correct what he needs to correct. Obviously, weather was a factor. Um, we'll see if what he can get out of this receiving core, which still isn't great. Which I mean, if any other team is, if they struggle this year, Marvin Harrison Jr. putting on that Giants blue, him, DJ, Saquon, that'd be annoying, but it'd be kind of awesome. Um, he ain't going there. Uh, another game I guess we could talk about here in the NFC. Sorry, I'm going to bring up the slate because I feel like I'm drawing a blank. Once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJY, the Runner Band Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. If you want to call the join the discussion, that number is 215-763-9596. Don't be shy. Give us a call. If you have any concerns, if you want to brag about, you know, your week <coughs> one wins, if you want to air your grievances because you're one of the teams that got blown out, like the Giants or the Steelers, by all means, come on. Come on down. 
I mean, I guess if speaking of the Niners and Steelers, I guess we should start with the third best team or the second best team in the NFC, depending on who you talk to. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll start this off. What you said about Dallas is kind of how I feel about the San Fran. Mm-hmm. They had a really good offseason in terms of I added Javon Hargrave, who was really instrumental for us. Exactly. So that was like addition by subtraction for us. Honestly, thank God we got Jalen Carter. We'll get into that more exactly. later. But the fact that they doubled down on, like, you know what? All due respect to Trey Lance, Trey Lance did not deserve, you know, that roller coaster <coughs> of, like, not really getting an opportunity to really showcase himself. Exactly. But, however, shout out to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan was like, all right, listen, we're just going to get rid of you. We wish you all the best of luck. Brock Purdy is undefeated when we play this guy. The only game that we really lost with Purdy last year was the game that he got hurt. Exactly. So we're going to double down, give him the conf- instill the confidence in him for us to go to a Super Bowl run because our jobs are on the line. Exactly. We've been at this we've been at this neck and neck thing since back since 2019. Yep. We've been to one Super Bowl, we haven't been back since. We've been to two NFC title games. We lost to the 49. We lost to the Rams who eventually went on to win the Super Bowl and the Eagles who almost did it last year. We need to we need to finally get over this hump and we feel like Brock Purdy is that. And Brock Purdy went to Heinz Field against a really good Pittsburgh Steelers defense and picked and, them apart. And cooked them. Cooked them. Brandon Ayuk, who's up for a contract, two touchdowns, cooked them. Christian McCaffrey, he's probably one of the most cheat codingest things in the entire league right now. A legitimate mm-hmm. offensive line to block behind him. Exactly. Absolutely cooked them. And the 49ers defense literally picked apart a promising. Second year Pittsburgh offense led by Kenny Pickett and just left Mike Tomlin speechless. If you want to talk about scary, you want to talk about impressive, in regards to level of competition, we all think that Pittsburgh's going to be a playoff team this year. And with Mike Tomlin's coaching history, to go up to Heinz Field and dominate in in the capacity that they did, that was impressive. Very uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I do think San Fran is all is, is our biggest rival in the NFC, and I think it is going to come down to Eagles Niners again. Um, Brock Purdy's the real deal, man. I, I know it feels sucky as a, anybody who listens to the show. It feels like I've accepted Brock Purdy as being the guy for San Fran faster than I did with Jalen. But you have to understand, I'm an Eagles fan. And I'm hurt a lot, so excuse me if it takes me longer to accept that. It's called walls, people. Got to you got to know your accountability things, but um. Yeah, no. My biggest thing for them is if Purdy stays upright, they're going to win 12 to 13 games just because. So, um, not really much to say about the Niners. The Steelers, like I said, bad start, but I also think level of competition. We thought the Steelers might be a playoff team. We also don't think that they're a Super Bowl contender just yet. So, a 37 game against the Niners team that, let's just say, if you took a lineman out and that was a playoff game, could possibly be a score. It, It sounds about right. Uh, obviously, week one, we'll see what happens with Pickett. We'll see what happens with Najee. Um, yeah, I, 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 I know Mike Tomlin will write the ship. Whatever that means, whether that means getting him to 7-9, 8-8, and nine, eight and eight, whatever, he'll write the ship. Uh, another game I wanted to talk to that I wanted to talk to you to earlier before we you know, were talking about the powers of the NFC, NFC is a former NFC power and a fraudulent NFC power met in the city of Minneapolis, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. The first game of the Baker era in Tampa. One of your guys, 
one of your favorite guys of the last five to six years in drafts. Uh, obviously, you know, fizzled out with the Browns. Uh, had the little mini run with the Rams where he, I felt like he played as good as he could given coming off pretty much the street at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. He was the guy in camp. He beat out Trask, even though it wasn't much of a competition. He could argue, you could argue to say he has the best um, receivers of his career, pretty good offensive line, and a talented defense that knows what it wants to do. Um, and they they kind of beat the crap out of Minnesota. Like, they kind of physically beat Minnesota. I know it's a three-point game, so I'm not saying it's a blow. But you can see the, for lack of a better term, skeletal structure of what used to exist under Brady. And I'm not by no means saying Baker Mayfield is Tom Brady. But there are things that Baker can do that Tom couldn't, like that option reverse play. Or not option reverse play, but that option sweep right. You can't do that with Tom. You know, uh, being able to run RPOs. But a lot of those throw routes and fly routes and stuff, Baker can throw those. And so I'm anxious to see that with the confidence of beating Minnesota, um, I was looking at the schedule and I cannot remember who they have week two, but it's a winnable game. I think it might be Pittsburgh or Atlanta. I'm not sure, but it's a winnable game. A 2-0 and Bucks team with Baker under there and confident, you're looking at a team that could easily make the playoffs in the NFC. Yeah. Uh, they, the Bears. It's the home. Bears at home. I'm just saying. That sounds 2-0 to me. Chicago, we'll get to that in a second. Didn't yeah, I mean, we can go to them next. But. Yeah, then after that, they got Eagles on Monday night. Exactly, which, you know. Saints, Lions, Falcons. These all sound like winnable games except that Eagles game. And to be honest, the most Eagles thing would be to lose to the Baker Mayfield-led Bucks on Monday night football. <laughs> yeah. So, uh any thoughts on Minnesota, who we obviously think is just the NFC version of Buffalo? Really nothing. I think outside of people outside of the city of Minneapolis, no one really expected Minnesota to do much of anything. Exactly. Uh, Kirk Cousins is who he is. The, always been. There is a drop. There is a tear drop off between what you have in Dalvin Cook in the running game and Madison. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Addison looked really good. He looks, looks like Justin Jefferson finally has a legitimate number two to at times alleviate alleviate from, you know, the constant pressure on him in terms of, you know, keying on him. Exactly. But they just don't have enough pieces on defense to compete, to legitimately compete. And, look, it's – shout out Baker. You know, please rise from the dead. I, I need a win somewhere. <laughs> And this is a guy that literally took the Cleveland Browns to the playoff, and they won a playoff game exactly. on the road. And they were in a playoff game on the road against Patrick Mahomes with a lead in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, like. And, listen, the whole Mike Evans thing, like, it sucks about him not getting a contract, but he's a professional. It looked like it didn't damper, you know, his ability to catch the ball at all. Same with Chris Godwin, uh, Russell Gage, Kate Otten. This is offense still has some pieces, and it's really unfortunate that their center Ryan Jansen is hurt, because I feel like if that was hurt, if he was hurt, then this is a team that probably has a, still has probably one of the better off, better veteran offensive line units with him, Tristan Worse, and they can legitimately make some noise. But the Vikings are who we thought they were. It's feeling nothing more to like harp on than that. Yeah, one of the softest teams in the league for sure. Yeah. Um, another good game um, to switch to maybe a little bit of AFC action. Well, not I can't call it a good game, but I guess um, Cleveland and Cincinnati. Uh, 
we both talked. The uh, we Battle were, of Ohio. The Battle of Ohio. We talked about the AFC North with Jeff the other day uh, on the call. And, you know, we kind of got into it. And, you know, he was like, hey, who do you think is going to be the team that misses the playoffs from the AFC North? And I had to admit I thought it was going to be the Bengals. Because I feel like great quarterbacks always go through controversy. Even Brady had a down year and he had an injury. It happens. The law of averages, the algorithm of football, whatever you want to call it, it's going to happen. Mahomes is the only one who technically hasn't had one yet. And it's coming sooner rather than later. Um, I say all that to say uh, Burrow and those guys looked listless. He looked like a guy who missed all of camp and who missed all of preseason. Um, the timing was off. That O-line still isn't incredible. Even with the addition of Orlando Brown. Exactly. And their secondary, you could tell that the losses that they had, you know, in free agency, it, it really showed. Um, yeah, for sure. Obviously losing Bates, obviously losing Bell. Um, a lot of guys leaving from a, a defense that was never great but was opportunistic and knew how to win clearly the last two years proving such. Uh more so for me, I wanted to kind of touch on Cleveland because Cleveland's a team that I've been talking about since Deshaun went there. Because I kept saying to you, if, if any version of him that existed pre, obviously, all of the off-field things, that was a team that could be dangerous. I'm not saying he looked like Deshaun Watson because he still looked a bit off. He still looked like his timing was off a bit. But he looked more like himself than he did last year. Uh, and if that defense plays like that, I'll take game manager Deshaun Watson in the top five defense over most rosters, wouldn't you? Yeah. So look out for them to be able to make some plays. If the Steelers continue to play the way they do, obviously I feel like Cincinnati will bounce back. And then Baltimore looked good but not great against the really bad Texans team. Um, so, yeah, I think Cleveland could surprise and make some noise. But obviously, like we talked about week one, we'll see the next time they see Cincinnati. Shoot, we'll see in week two with Cleveland. Uh, another game I wanted to touch on since we're just bouncing around here in the AFC South, a team we both very much like, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Anthony Richardson's NFL debut looked solid, looked solid. Uh, as advertised, strong arm, elite running skill, can make moves and run outside the pocket. Sure, I'll go one first. He's a little better than solid. He, just, he was by far probably – Judging, he, judging by the quarterback play that we saw all weekend. He was the guy who was most in command of his offense. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. He looked like he knew what checks to make, what passes to make, what what to do in coverage. And obviously he had the one mistake, but we know that that's kind of part of his profile at, young, at this young point of his career. Uh, what I really wanted to touch on with that team is that he has to be the shoe-in for offensive rookie year. If sheer fact that he might be their best offensive player. If you don't have yeah. JT... Like, I like Pittman. I like Alec Pierce, but, like, he's probably their most sure offensive player. Like, you got to start putting some quarterback draws and quarterback sweeps in that offense, correct? Also, don't sleep on Josh Downs. He was really huge, like, almost especially in the middle of the field. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think they'll use him as that Wes Walker crutch. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, But also, a big shout-out to, you know, the person who literally got Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson ready, their new head coach, Shane Slechton, because – <laughs> the two years he spent in Philadelphia coaching up Jalen Hurts, there's a familiarity there in terms of their style of play. Obviously, Richardson is more naturally talented when it comes to, you know, being bigger, having a stronger arm. Exactly. But the cadences is there, like him playing into, you know, the system and going into tendencies that it's a lot more comfortable for, you know, a one-year starter coming out of Florida. Exactly. 
No, 100%. Yeah. I also wanted to say that um, the Colts are going to be really bad. And we obviously talked about, you know, one of our favorite things watching the web. Obviously, you know, Caleb Williams and Shador Sanders and Drake May. But obviously, Chris and I are on Marvin Harrison Jr. Watch, Philly native, father of, son of a Philly native, uh, Ohio State Buckeye. So Chris has an even more vested interest. Uh, the Colts, I know they're going to be in some games this year. Are they on Marvin Watch? Yes. 100%. Okay, okay. I don't think Alec Pierce is going to be a long-term outside receiver. No, I don't think so even. I think Car- And I think giving Richardson Marvin would not only create one of the coolest posters because two, like, dreadlock guys, one at quarterback, one at receiver, Marvin Harrison, him wearing probably eight instead of 88. It would be super cool. Um, to switch beats to the Jacksonville Jaguars, man, they're here. Trevor Lawrence, good as advertised. Calvin Ridley, good as advertised. To take a year off and to come back and have eight for a hundred in TD, incredible. Let's see yeah. what you got on the line. Shout out wide receiver two on my fantasy team. Ninety-eight point five WJYM running back sports. Yo, it's DeAndre. What's up, fellas? Yo, what's, what's going, going on, on, bro? Not much, not much. I was just y'all. Uh, sorry, I couldn't be there. Duty calls, of course. It's all good, so, bro. So to touch on what Jamal just said, yeah, the Colts is on Marvin Harrison watching. They gotta be. <laughs> They have to. They got to be. They receive it for is, it is lunch ladies out there. Like you said, Michael Pittman is cool, <laughs> like, but he's just a solid receiver. Exactly. Like, real solid. He's not going to blow you away. Like, exactly. I mean, he might get you, like, 80 catches and, like, probably, like, 1,200. But that's, oh, that's, that's going to be his career high. That's You're talking about at the peak of his powers, yeah. And I exactly. think he would only be able to do that with a guy like Marvin in that exposition for him to play wide. Exactly. And I think they shouldn't like they should win games, of course, because who knows? Caleb Williams might be the number one pick, depending on who is the number one team. You know who could it be? But definitely they should be on Marvin Watch for sure. But yeah, y'all, y'all talking about a lot of great stuff, man. I mean, whew, y'all talked about my team, and it's just week one, you know. Brock still, you know, he got the injured elbow. He looked good for sure. For sure. You know, against T.J. Watt. Against, even though Cameron Hayward went out early, uh, making Fitzpatrick and stuff like that, he looked good for sure against a top defense in Pittsburgh. Exactly. It's just the offense stink, of course. But we just got to keep building that rapport. You know, Brandon Ayuk just got to keep doing what he's doing. That man trying to George, get paid. You know, he, he got to get paid because y'all have to pay to be him. Honest, yeah, he's our best. How are y'all going to play? How are y'all going to pay Brock? Is my biggest thing. I know I'm thinking three, two, three years out, but like Kittle's got one more contract coming to him unless you think it'll let him walk. So does Ayuk. So does Ayuk. Debo's probably going to be up for an extension before Brock's rookie. Where's this money right. going to come from? Because y'all just paid Nick. So I'm just wondering where is all this chicken come from? I mean, do y'all expect Trent to be going at that point? Because if it comes down to Trent at 35 or Brock Purdy, I still might choose Trent Williams. So Trent and George Kittle just restructured their contracts. Okay. That gave us a lot of cat room. I think it was like 41, I think. I might got the number wrong. Okay. But that gave us a lot of cat room for sure for Brandon, for, you know, for his contract, which he should get because he has been progressing every sure. year. For sure. And then Brock, like Brock, I think it depends on how he do this year. That's true. Will he regress? 
will he keep it going? Like, he looks good. Like, he has command of the offense and all that. You know, as a person that didn't really want Trey Lance at first, I kind of hate how it went down. Yeah. I kind of hate how I feel like he never got a fair shot. Out. He didn't. He didn't get a fair shot because last year, I said, I said, he got injured. Jimmy came in. Jimmy got injured. Brock came in. The offense looked totally different. I was like, yeah, Trey might be gone. Because it's like, it's just the command that Brock has. Exactly. It's but, something about the way he commands the huddle and he understands that offense. Yeah, and then on top of that, you look at the film, see Trey still holding on the ball too long. But this goes to show you a guy that didn't play that many steps in college, didn't play that many steps in high school, and now didn't play that many steps in the pros neither. So exactly, versus a guy who was a four-year starter in high school and college. Exactly. And then you've seen last year how he got injured in week two and kind of hurt his development. Yes. It hurt his confidence. Brock come in, you know, he's clapping on the sideline, but it's like, are you really happy for Brock or not? Now, if Mike McCarthy can get him together, like the potential is still there. The potential is still through the roof. He's actually in the perfect position because he's not going to play for at least another two seasons. Unless something gets ugly with a contract dispute, he, they're not expecting him to do anything unless barring an injury for the next two years. So he can sit behind that and just develop and learn. And he's exactly. going to come into a team where he's going to have probably another receiver by that point, C.D. Lamb. He's going to have a young Pollard. He's going to have Vaughn. He's going to have some weapons around him and a good offensive line. So, yep. and, I mean, listen, is like – we all hate the Cowboys, but it's probably besides being like the best player on the Yankees or the best player on the Lakers, there's really no better place to be in sport than to be the best, the Cowboy of the quarter, the quarterback of the Cowboys. So yeah. he wants a chance yep. at redemption. I mean, I mean, Tom Brady. You, I mean, you know what's real, 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 to be honest, it's up there with being the quarterback of the 49ers. Like, so he has a chance. And then the rivalry there, if you're talking about at some point down the line, a Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, NFC title game for, for Dallas versus 49ers, that's that might be the most watched game in, in NFL history. Yeah, um, I agree with that, a hundred percent. So it's it's crazy that it boils down to that. But I mean, I'm happy for him. It was it was sad to see him go. It was kind of sad to see him usher, you know, being ushered out. But at the end of the day, I feel like if Brock Purdy doesn't work out, and Chris, you said Chris, both of y'all said this, the time that Lynch and Shanahan had. By them investing them three first-round picks in trade, it might be time for them to go. Yep. Now, a lot of people was mad at me for saying that, but I'm like, it's the truth because they made a bad investment. It's not like y'all traded third-rounders, fourth-rounders to move. Exactly. That, that would have been different. Three first-round picks. Three, first, three cool. straight first-round picks. That right. is insane. And then insane. you go past the draft of who was picked at these positions. And it was like even 49ers could have had Michael Parsons. Not saying we could draft them. Jamar Chase, not saying we're gonna draft him either. But, but like, I'm just saying, like, if you if you plug in the problem with Lance, right, and why it makes it such a grease is one, the 2021 draft was loaded. It felt like everybody else got a piece but y'all. That's the exactly. one kicker. That's the that's what really hurt y'all. And it cost you, and it cost you a lot of draft compensation. And it cost you a lot of draft yep. compensation. So it makes it worse. So like you said, if you just say, man, you just take Jamar Chase at six, that's incredible. Because then you have yeah. Brandon Ayuk, Debo, and Jamar Chase, and you figure it out. You take Micah, and then you have Micah and Nick Bosa, which just is hurting my brain to even think about. Lethal. Yeah. You take Smitty. You take Patrick Sertan. You take any of those guys we named. Literally, J.C. Horn is even nice. 
and you just have a contributor. The fact that Lance never even contributed to your team and you lost the Cavs. To be honest, if you'd have traded three first round picks and got Michael Parsons, nobody would say anything about it. It wouldn't matter. No, I agree. So it's just because the zero return and investment is what's really setting y'all back. And like you said, if this isn't the year y'all win a ring, I I, I don't know if Shanahan and Lynch both survive. I don't know if both of them are going, one of them are going, but I don't think both of them come back the next season. Barring y'all losing in the Super Bowl. I think the only way is if y'all lose in the Super Bowl by a heartbreak, by a field goal to something, they survive. Other than that, anything less than that is is, is I feel like like the Yorkers are going to get them out of here. Yeah, I, I feel the same way because like you can't trade that many for one player that didn't do anything. Like you said, it was so many others that could have helped our team. It just doesn't make any sense. And then, like you said, we didn't miss picks for three years straight in the first rounder. Three they're years getting, straight. They're, they're getting away because we're such a good team. Exactly. That's the one thing. But y'all are getting older by the second. The third and the fourth and the fifth. So that's how they're kind of skating by. But... If we wasn't a good team, uh, they would have been gone by now. Easily. I agree with you, 100%. And I think one uh, another thing is, like, also the fact that y'all picked arguably the worst of the three quarterbacks. And I know they're like, well, what about Zach Wilson? I'm like, I don't know. I think Zach Wilson might be able to eat with San Fran. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I know that sounds crazy. He looks a lot like Brock Purdy. I mean, like, size-wise, arm. obviously the decision-making is different. Brock is clearly a more cerebral quarterback. He's a four-year starter, a guy who knows what he's doing. But I will say this. I think Wilson would look great. I I was arguing. I don't know if you tuned into the show last week, but um, we had a caller come on, Jeff, and we were talking about, and he was, like, you know, talking about San Fran. He's like, you know, Brock goes down. I'm afraid because of Darnold. And I said, to be quite honest with you, Brock might not want to go down because if Sam Darnold comes in behind y'all offensive line with y'all weapons, with y'all play caller, people are going to see why he was the number two pick in his draft. Yeah, I agree. And I think people I are sleeping on that possibility that Brock, because Brock's gotten hurt. So the possibility is there that he could go down again. And if Stafford comes in and goes 4-0 and and looks like, I'm sorry, not Stafford, excuse me, Darnold comes in and goes 4-0 and and looks crazy, I mean, what has Purdy done to really earn his job? Yeah, I get he wants to the NFC title game. He rode a wave. Why not ride the wave with Darnold? Yeah, because if Darnold is doing the same thing, we're just moving through, you know, we winning games, it's going to be like, our right, well, same thing's going to happen. Exactly. Sam Darnold's team. He's taking over. Yeah, could be in the office. Especially if we win the Super Bowl with Sam Darnold. Yeah, if y'all win the Super Bowl, I think it's over. There's no point. Because yeah. here's the truth of the matter. You can pay Darnold less than what you're going to pay for Brock Purdy. Even coming off a rookie right. contract, right? It's like because he'll know we re- rehabilitated you. So come on, take this bag, go and sit down, and Purdy, you could come back. We gonna give you a contract to be a backup. At that point, right. you got two good quarterbacks. Why would they be mad? It's like Montana and Young. It's like all right, if somebody really want to trade us a first for Purdy, then you get to go somewhere and be the guy. Shoot, yeah. some, somebody might trade us a first for uh for uh for somebody might trade on first for um for 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 Darnold. At, uh, Super yeah. Bowl win, Super Bowl winning quarterback Sam Donald sounds a lot better for a first round pick than it don't. You know? Yes, yeah. and, and that, that 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 title right there adds value to to where, for example, the Jets, even though he was there first, it's like, yo, we could use Sam Donald right now. We're not you put Sam Donald on the Jets right now, they might cook. Yes, yeah. which is hilarious. Well, he was there before, but now they got a better, uh, uh, way uh, uh, better uh, uh, team uh, uh, than what they. 
that old line, nah, let, let, let's, 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 let's pump the brakes on that. <laughs> so, fellas, fellas, fellas. What, the old line? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say they're a little better. They still got it, it's a field. Aaron Rodgers died in four plays, man. They ain't a little better. Yeah, but yeah, it was also a freak accident the way Leonard Floyd fell on him. Like that wasn't yeah. just strictly, and also it was like that wasn't. I mean, yes, that was a line sack. What were we about to say, sir? No, dude. There were instances in which Zach Wilson almost got injured himself because of that field. Like there were plays yeah. in which he lost his footing, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, no one even touched him. And yeah. yeah. Maybe David Bautier is right about that field, man. And he's he be hot about that field. And that's why remember I'm like, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa got hurt in that field. That's why he was out for the season. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was. You're absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. No. So the league needs to do something about that. I don't know what the deal is with that, but it's definitely something that needs to get taken. You know, care bring of. back bring back the AstroTurf. So besides your Niners, D, I don't know if you got to really sit down and watch some of the games. Who else impressed you? Who else were you are you looking at and be like, okay, I see you. To be honest, I'm not. I'm not impressed by the Bills. Oh, we talked about that. Bills. I don't know if you heard. Yeah, earlier. Heard. Soft, soft, yeah, soft. The, the team, the, the team that y'all named Bills, Bills, I'm not impressed by them. The team that I was most impressed by this weekend is the Jags. Yes, we was just about the to Jags, talk. Yes, man. That's why I called in. Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley me together. Dangerous. Dangerous. dangerous, and that's what I knew was going to happen. Because really, was too good. A real number one man, and and they're, they're going to take off. They they already have a good defense as it is already. They already got Travis Etienne. All they needed was a true number one receiver to kind of move the six for them. And Calvin was just going off on the coast for sure. I mean, I know it's the coast. Their defense is formidable, but you know they had some holes. But it's like. It doesn't seem like this man missed a year of football. That which is crazy. To sit out a whole year of football and to come back and have eight catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown and one touchdown that was called back, like, you got yeah. you got to pencil him in possibly for an all-pro season, and Trevor Lawrence might throw for 4,000, 4, man. Yeah, he's going to he's gonna really throw for 4,000. But the Jags is definitely a team I've seen. Y'all, I'm, y'all, I'm not – I'm not – some people are writing y'all – and y'all need to get it together. But New England got a great defense. So, thank, of course, thank like you, you said, we didn't, we Bill Belichick know how to coach. That's so, of course, we, he's going to be like, Jalen Hurts like to do this. Hit him low. You know, they like to do this. And they, they have a great defense. They've been building their defense for the last couple of years now. So, they got the corners. They got the pass rush. So, you know, it's just Matt Jones and the offense. So, I mean, you can't, you can't get mad at that. Y'all just want to. Thursday, I just want to prove that y'all want to smack the Vikings, of course. Another soft team. Exactly. And then y'all just want to get it wrong. Exactly. No, I agree. Like I was saying before you called, obviously, I'm sure you heard. It's like, it's destiny. It's some like anime stuff. We're going to see y'all again. We have to. It's only right. Yeah. It's only right. It's the only per- the only team who has a chance to do something about it is Dallas. And that's it. That's the NFC. It goes through either us, y'all, or Dallas. And, yeah. and, and even with them, it's like, if you look at... Michael Parsons this year, and the way he was moving at the Giants, that the Giants' line is not strong. But Michael Parsons is hungry. Mike he's is a monster, it. man. His mind he's too. He's a monster. He's showing it. He he was you know he was talking all offseason like I want it, I want it. And that game he showed it. And then on top of that, you got Trayvon and Hassan Gilmore on one side, on both on on both sides. It's like it's going to be hard to go against them. It's just the only 
equation for them is that. Can Dak take that next step to get them over the hump? Their defense is going to be really good, but it, it, it depends on Dak now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. As long as he doesn't crap the bed, they're going to be a problem for either you or us in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, the defense is for real. They got speed at all three levels. They can hit. Like, they got a lot going on over there. So, I'm I, for the first time in a long while, I was saying to Chris, you know, he wasn't as much looking at them as he was afraid of them. But I was kind of like, I don't know. I, I, I see something different in them. Like I said, Dak will be the, the key piece. Um, <clears throat> another team I wanted to get your opinion on because – I don't think there's any clear-cut fourth team in the NFC, and I've been screaming that it's Detroit. But I think Chris might have been on to something that it may be Green Bay. How did you feel about Green Bay? Now, obviously, Chicago is still probably one of the worst rosters in the league, and it's probably at least two to three years away mm-hmm. from really competing, especially if Fields isn't the guy. But right. Green Bay beat them as a team that looked like they should have beat them, if that makes sense. Yep. Jordan Love so, looked in command of the offense. Like, what do you think? Yep. So I, I think I think that that division right there, and it, it does depend on Detroit and um, Green Bay. Detroit looked really good against you know the Kansas City Chiefs. You know they don't have Travis Kelsey, but that goes to show you they actually built that team back up. You know, and they're missing pieces as well. Exactly, no Jameson Williams yet. Yeah, but Green Bay, Green Bay didn't even play with Christian Watson, and Jordan Love lit it up. Like yeah. if we lit it up. They still have Aaron Jones. They still got AJ Dillon. They still got a good defense. So I, I'm I'm excited for Jordan Love to actually show what he has, and I think he's going to take them to the playoffs for sure. Now it's going to be the inexperience. I, I, I he's not even inexperienced. I think he has experience by sitting behind a Rod to kind of lead him probably past the wild card game or something like that. Yeah. But Green Green Bay for sure is is. That's a scary team, especially after what I saw week one. I think they're a scary team. I I agree. Uh, their de- their defense has played together for a while. They're sound and disciplined. Jair Alexander is a top five corner all day, every day. Um, yep. Lafleur clearly has a command of that team, but like you said, Love just looked poised, man. He looked like, and this is said, he looked like Jimmy Garoppolo with mobility. Yeah, like legit mobility. And I think that's his comp in my head. It's just like their throwing style, the way they move in the pocket, very slick, very short, compact throw style. Like, he reminds me a lot of Jimmy G with a bit more natural athleticism, which is a scary prospect. And then if you get Christian Watson in there, uh, you get Musgrave in there, who is the tight end, who they always hit on tight ends. Tunyon's in Chicago now. But were you about to say, D? No, I was about to say, because remember, Jimmy Garoppolo had a lot of confidence before he towards the ACL. Exactly. He was moving. But, you know, Jordan Love has the more, way more athleticism. But Jimmy had that confidence, and we do see that in Jordan Love, too. So, yeah, they they, they definitely, even though I feel bad for my boy A-Rock, but, you know, Green And I don't want to say no karma stuff because you never wish injury on anybody as much as we love sports. We watch sports and we cheer against other teams. You never want to see a man who go out there and provide for his family get hurt. But, um... It is crazy to see the success, the high, complete high of Jordan Love and the and the and the complete low of the Jets. But then the Jets, as an organization, to pull themselves out and get that win. I don't know if this is the right. start of a special season because I don't know if Zach Wilson is the guy. If you maybe go and get someone else, I think you can salvage this. 
But um, it'll be interesting to see, like, if this team goes 10-7, and seven, makes the playoffs, and puts up a fight against someone, does A-Rod look at that and go, all right, if I can be here one year and we get it together, all we got to do is be healthy one year, I'll win that whole thing. Um, yeah. And I think that was my other takeaway. A healthy A-Rod, from what I saw from the rest of that team, Wilson being the number one stud, and them having two real legitimate running backs, um, that defense, even with the O-line, if you have a healthy A-Rod for 17 games, that's a Super Bowl contender. That's a, team that can go in the, that's a team that can go in the Arrowhead, and he's not going to be afraid to beat Patrick in Arrowhead. Yeah, because I don't. the AFC looks so different from this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's like who's the clear-cut favorite in the AFC? I'm telling you, man. You, tell me how it's not Jacksonville. Yeah. I was about to say, tell me how it's not Jacksonville. Cleveland looks really good. Like how do you feel about Cleveland? Second. They're second. Cleveland I feel like, really like you good. said, Deshaun Watson – He's coming back. You know, it, it was some miscues for him and everything like that. But what I saw was, I'm like, all right, he's getting the confidence back. Exactly. You know, they still got Nick Chubb. They got Miles Garrett on the other side. Denzel Ward on the other side. We got Amari Cooper on the outside. So it's like they had the talent there. So they can definitely take that step forward. What I called them the best team in their division? No, not yet. No. Well, probably, maybe because Baltimore, Baltimore just great. lost. They just lost JK for the year. Exactly, and they and did they and did you did to to you did they look good against Houston? No, because they to me they're supposed to really like beat Houston, but they kept Houston like Houston was there. Yeah, you know they just and couldn't they, get no they, points on the board. No, Houston, no, I I bought Red Zone like an hour before like you know the season started, so a lot of the game was focused like on on the Houston on uh, Houston and Baltimore. Uh, the positives. Zay Flowers is going to be really good. And, I told y'all this. Yeah. And well. he's that missing component that Lamar's been missing with uh, Hollywood Brown. But just from the passing game alone, I've, Odell only had two catches, but I feel like once Odell get a few more weeks and Odell gets a lot more comfortable in the offense, that, that chemistry is going to be a lot more potent. You know, Mark Andrews also didn't play as well. So I feel like yeah. just from a potential, from a passing standpoint, I think Baltimore – Finally got all the pieces together for Lamar to take that to the next level. Uh, but the downside, you know, J.K. Dobbins, you know, unfortunately, again, getting hurt. And Baltimore doesn't really have a pass rush. The only reason why they were really took advantage of the Houston Texans is because outside of Laramie Tunsil, Texans really don't have that much of an offensive line to really speak of. That no, really, they, they don't have, like, that guy where it's like, okay, I could trust this guy in January to get after the quarterback. Yeah. But just from what I see for Baltimore, they look decent. And this, this yeah. is a team that I feel like this year it's going to be on the shoulders for Lamar to carry them as opposed to what we saw like in years past was it's going to be, well, I think the running game regardless is going to be strong as long as, as long as you have the Lamar element. Yeah. Yeah, but I think this is going to be a year where the offense, you know, does a lot of the grunt work for that defense. Yeah. 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 No, we'll see. Yep. But, fellas, I got to go. It was good chatting with y'all. Right, Chris, I'll time. probably be there next week because I'm leaving work Tuesday. So. Well, we look forward to seeing you next week, D. All right, man. All right. Peace All right, out. Good one, bro. All right. You be safe out there. You too. Once again, you listen to 98.5 WJY and need running back sports show, sports to the culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, the number is 215-763-9596. And I'm actually want to go back to the Jordan Love thing. 
um, watching that game, like, because there are just some points, because that and the Eagles game was on at the same time. There were just some points where it's just like the Eagles game kind of dragged on a little bit more than what it needed to be. And more importantly, I just wanted to see my full rule first game of Jordan Love since, like, that start against Kansas City. But there were a lot of, like, Aaron Rodgers mannerisms in terms of him also uh, throwing the football as well and, you know, some plays as well. You know, the busted play of him, like, fumbling, of him losing the ball and then chucking it over to a wide-open Musgrave, which should have been a touchdown. But also another thing is that Aaron Jones was fully implemented into the passing offense, which we really haven't seen in years. No. So, and when you watch, you know, the way that these guys, you know, you know, they talk about Jordan Love, the way they rallied around him, you know, the air is completely different as opposed to, you know, having Aaron Rodgers and having Jordan Love. Jordan Love actually spent this entire offseason, you know, with those guys, getting ready with guys like Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs, hanging out with hanging out. He's not going on darkness retreats or like exotic vacations and, you know, not meeting up with his teammates up until training camp. So he's fully invested into this team and when you have a quarter and we have a young quarterback that's invested into his team like that, it's easy for you it's easy for the other guys, you know, around him to rally behind. No, one hundred percent. Yeah. And once again and I'll i and again, I told you I, was, I I said this, Corey also said this, you know, when he was on the show a while that I told you Jordan Love isn't as bad as what people think it's gonna be. I think it's because of what we expect from Aaron Rodgers and because of the lack of tape, what we've seen from Jordan Love, we weren't expecting Jordan Love to, to be this good, you know, especially week one. Granted, it is, against, it is against a really bad Chicago Bears defense, which was dead last in football. But still, that's still a divisional rival game. That's still a road game. And that's it was the second. way they beat them. Yes, 100%. They yeah, look like the better team. Yes, in in every shape, in every way, shape, and form. Exactly. And more importantly, Rashad Gary's also finally healthy as well, which is exactly. also huge for the pass rush. Kenny Clark's healthy. Yeah. Darnell Savage was everywhere on the field as well. These young receivers, man, they just feel like, like you said, they're just having fun and they probably have more of a connection, a natural connection. I mean, let's be all the way real because we talk real in the running back sports show. Having a black quarterback and being a black skill possession player, I'm sorry to tell you, that matters. Unless you're Joe Burrow. Unless you Joe Burrow or you really one of these cool white dudes because there's a relatability. We probably listen to similar music. We go into similar places to eat. We doing similar things. Yeah, or I'm just real. or just and being in that age. That, yeah, that I was age gonna different. say age matters too. Yeah, that's why Aaron Rodgers has been constantly wanting a guy like Randall Cobb on his team. Like no matter where he goes and no matter what the production, because of that relatability. And now Jordan Love, he's the same age, same age, same age bracket as Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Luke Musgrave. Uh, AJ Dillon, and like it was one like David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones, they're the old heads of the, of the team now. By the way, my favorite play of the day, which was a sad play for the Bills, I'm sorry, the Packers, and I'm just watching it back right now, is the third and fourth down combination when they're up 17 6 to end of the third and they're starting to put the screws to the Bears finally. Yeah, so on third and 12, Jordan Love rushes for nine yards, puts his shoulder down, trucks two Bears. Gets up, gets everybody set into the offense. Now, when you come out, Chicago's playing a simple 4-3, but they're playing press up. So everything they're playing underneath. So all his receivers are covered. Aaron Jones runs the Texas angle out the backfield. Calmly waits on to get there in front of the receiver, hits him in stride, touchdown. I mean, like, 
you can't do it any better than that. That's a guy who knows his plays, knows his checks, knows where he should be. Yeah, and I hope now that with now Rodgers gone, and enjoy the luck to your success. I hope people start to respect Matt LaFleur a lot more as a play caller. No, for sure. Yeah. And this looked easy for Jordan Love yeah. more than anything else. And the funny thing is, is that it's a tale of, you know, two quarter. It's, everything about this game is funny because it's a parallel between, you know, everything in terms of what you're doing right in terms of developing a young quarterback, which is green, which what Green Bay is exactly doing, and still everything what you're doing in terms of still being trying to do but still failing in terms of what you're doing with Chicago. I think one thing we can agree on, right, and maybe you'll agree with me, maybe you won't. Um Looking at these two guys, like obviously offensive line, weapon, you can argue all of these different things, right? Yes. Jordan Love looked like the more comfortable passer. Oh, agreed. And I don't know if that's time set behind A-Rod. I don't know if that's comfortability with the system. They both came in the same draft. No, sorry, Jordan Love is a year before Justin. Yes. I don't know if that's him being a four-year starter and Justin only being a two-year starter. I don't know where that disconnect is, but he looked so much more in command of what Green Bay was trying to do. Making these short intermediate throws, knowing where he's going, knowing to hit these out routes, knowing to hit these curl routes. Like, that's always, to me, the sign of a cerebral guy. The sign of a guy when he, and, and to put it in layman's terms, when I say layman's terms, I think we all understand football on a layman's level because we've never played national football. But when for me, it's like a guy who can kill you in that intermediate to mid middle area is a is a surgeon. Yes. And those big third down plays that Jordan Love made, those were crossing routes over the middle. Hitting guys in stride and letting his players make plays. Yeah. And that's what great quarterbacks do. And, and I, I also think that when, you know, guys are going to be open cuz obviously the Christian Watson play against us last year is he can hit you with a beautiful deep ball. I like I he really is black Jimmy Garoppolo. It's hilarious. Like, his number, the way he moves, his poise in the pocket, he's bouncy, but he's, like I said, a natural, more natural athlete. And, and D made a great point is that before Jimmy's injury, he moved a lot like Jordan Love. He was springy. So, um, yeah, no, that was my favorite sequence in the game and just something that was super underrated to me and sitting here watching these things. And obviously the, the other great play was the dropping the ball, have the wherewithal, set your feet, and hit Musgrave. You know, obviously Musgrave falls. I think if Musgrave would have stopped that, He walks in. He walks in. So, which would have been a crazy highlight real play, which is still a highlight real play. But the wherewithal to get up the ball, to not panic and throw it away, get your wherewithal to say, okay, what can I do with this? Square your feet up and make a throw with the rush coming at you. What more can you ask for? Yeah, there were so many textbook throws. Like, obviously, the second touchdown on Romeo Dobbs trying to do, like, a back shoulder. Romeo Dobbs making some great catch. That was a beautiful ball. The spiral on that, this point where he could get that. Yeah. And Dobbs looks, like, way more confident this year. And it's awesome because Dobbs is the one struggling and Watson was the one. And I just think when this team gets Watson, who's a Swiss Army knife, man, Green Bay's coming. Chris, you called it. You talked about it in the offseason. I was on a Detroit train. You obviously love Chicago because you love Justin Fields and you kind of want to see him do well. But Green Bay might be it in that division, man. Because Minnesota's soft, like we talked about. Detroit might just run out of time. I think you're getting Williams back. I don't know what Gibbs is going to be. Obviously, he looked explosive on some plays. I hope he gets more touches. I think Detroit's going to be fine because they do just about everything that I love about, like, in terms of what they did with Jordan Love's game plan in regards to, you know, doing the crossing routes, you know, you know catering to a skill set. We're now seeing that slowly but surely with Jared Goff. Yes. Killing him with the crossing and the intermediate throws. And, you know, and now, you know, 
and we really didn't talk. We, we didn't talk about this game. But uh, going back to the Thursday night game, yes, and, I expl- yeah, and I explained this, and I'm like, everybody talked about, you know, Jameer gives lack of carries. I'm like, listen, if you see any trend in terms of rookie running backs, you'll know that they don't get that many carries and touches uh, week one. You, they'll they'll easily wean them on. But David Montgomery is was the unsung here was the unsung MVP for that offense on Thursday. Sure. Yeah, because regardless of how flashy Amon Ross St. Brown is or what Jameson Williams could be or what Jameer Gibbs could be, you always need that hammer in your running back in them in your running back room. In the fourth quarter when it came down to it, especially when they got into the red zone. Look out into the end zone, David Montgomery. Exactly. And when they needed some big time runs, they needed those big thirty two runs. You know who was there? David Montgomery. Exactly. One hundred percent. Yeah. But but to I, but let me boomerang this back to Chicago. But like like I said, like the one thing that we've could talk about ad nauseum here when it comes to quarterbacks, it's like you have to have proper systems. You have to have accommodating place pieces in place in order for your quarterback to succeed. It's exactly. not just enough for you to draft a quarterback. It's like, all right, let's just say you got the number one overall pick and Caleb Williams go to Arizona and you feel like, okay, we did our job. No. Caleb Williams, for as great and as talented and as a magician you're seeing at USC, you still need to help him out with getting him accommodating pieces to help him out on the next level. And we're not just talking about playmakers. Kyler Murray to the Jets. Yeah. Sorry, random thing. Go ahead. Yeah. We're not just talking about, you know, just trading for DJ Moore. But, you know, you really didn't do much to really improve the offensive line at all. Which should have been your main concern this offseason. Yeah, which especially in the inside the interior. You were also watching that. There were only four there were only four times Justin Fields actually wrote actually did a play action rollout. There was really nothing in regards to any sort of the play calling Luke Getty did to really get Justin Fields into a consistent rhythm that he would be comfortable at with his skill sets. The two things that are really two things that Justin Fields really excels at is number one, the deep ball. You saw that in that touchdown pass with Darnell Moody. That was an absolute dime. Exactly. You didn't throw down the field that much. And number two, his ability to run the football. You really didn't do that much either. The purpose of having you know, a dynamic quarterback like this, obviously you're not going to run him like 20 times a game to like run him to the ground, but at least run it enough for Green Bay to key on him so that way you keep the defense honest you can take advantage of the one-on-one matchups. Exactly. And you didn't do none of that. So this is just – and, you know, we talk about like generational curses. Like we talk about Buffalo with their running backs, but we also talk about like in regards to Chicago with their quarterbacks, quarterbacks. at all. Jay Cutler is your best quarterback in franchise history. And he didn't even win a Super Bowl. Your Super Bowl winning quarterback is not even your best quarterback in franchise history. Like, I need people to really understand this. So, like, oh, we need to get rid of Justin Fields and, and, and you know, draft another coach. Do you really think Caleb Williams or Drake Mahi is actually going to do any sort of better inside? Now, I will say this. I think Caleb Williams would look better in this offense. I think he's already better at reading defenses. I think he's already better at understanding. Yeah, I mean, I know he makes a lot of off-schedule plays, but those off-schedule plays have to come from having consistency with their receivers. Like, USC has some great talent and they're starting to get guys drafted in the first round, but as an Ohio State fan, who pound for pound has a better draft class every year of the last five to six years? Ohio State, and it's not even close. So you can I would argue, argue, you can I, argue Bama and Georgia as well. 
No, I was just saying. No, no. I mean, oh, I'm out of Ohio State and USC every year. If you had oh, to compare, oh, offensive or uh, offensive, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Alabama, I would think Alabama also with the receivers. Exactly. So I would argue if you put Caleb Williams in this situation, I think he's a better quarterback already. Yeah, but in the end, it's also scheme. Jordan Love, like we just talked about. Yes, he has an extra year in the league, but argue if you argue talent pound for pound, Justin Fields is more talented, and look how much more comfortable he looks in that system. Yeah. Now, obviously, that's a winning team. I'm not arguing that at all. But I'm just saying comfortability. Zach Wilson doesn't look comfortable. Yeah, and it comes down to comfortability in terms of all levels. It's, talent can only get you but so far. Like I'll argue, I'll argue to my face is blue that Justin Fields, pound for pound, is probably a top five talent at the quarterback position. But there's nothing in regards to – it's also a combination of his development as well and also from what we're seeing in regards to what Chicago, in regards to coaching and talent that you're putting around him has given me any sort of confidence to say, like, okay, nothing, something is going to change in that regards. That's why I said, like, if you try to bring a quarterback into the same situation and try to do the same things, it's not really going to work. We all saw how talented Vince Young is coming out of Texas, but he went to the wrong situation, and he never properly recovered from that to the point where, like, if Vince Young were to come out now, I think he could have survived what he went through with Jeff Fisher in Tennessee yes. and find another find another team that would have instilled any kind of confidence in him to get him back into that get him back into the fold. Same I feel like same with RG3. But because now but because of that they're they're labeled as busts. They're labeled as okay, there's something at, you're now then at that point you're kind of labeled like as a quote-unquote problem child as an issue. Exactly. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. So. But anyway, there's still 16 weeks. And Chicago, you got to figure out. You got to figure this out fast. Because nothing you did on Sunday. Eve, Looked encouraging. Let's be all the way yeah, real. Yeah. <laughs> like, DJ, like, DJ Moore had two targets. Come on, my guy. DJ Moore doing? had two targets. Matt Eberflus, what you doing out here, my guy? Yeah. What, what's going on, Broski? Yeah. Get it together. Yep. And once again, you listen to 98.5 WJY, and never the best sports show, sports for the culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, that number is 215-763-9596. And uh, let's talk about another AFC, let's talk about another AFC game. Um, the Denver Broncos, you know, they had their home opener against the Oakland, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders. yeah. And you know what? Listen, you've given me props about Green Bay. I will give you props about when it came to the Raiders. Jimmy Garoppolo, it looks complete command in that offense. Josh Jacobs looks fresh. And Jacoby Myers looks like that's the steal of the offseason. That's wide receiver, too. Um, no, I just knew, okay, McDaniels being a Belichick disciple, right? If things aren't, he's like almost like a person with OCD. If things aren't completely the way he needs them to be and the person does it this way, his offense and his scheme and his system doesn't work. That's what happened in Denver. That's what happened the first year with the Raiders. He went and go, goes against Jimmy. He knows what throws Jimmy's going to make. He knows what situations to put Jimmy in to succeed. Because he's coached Jimmy before. Goes back to his OCD. Familiarity. Thing. Familiarity. So now you see the system is working, and he's worked with Jacoby. He knows Jacoby since he was a young kid. So the fact that Devontae only had five catches for 55 yards, once again, him being on my fantasy team has nothing to do with this, is an encouraging sign to me because if you, if I would have told you last year that Devontae Adams had five catches for 55 yards, would you have thought the Raiders won that game? No. Yeah. And I'll give him credit, too. That's also because Pat Sertain was also shadowing him as well. Yes. 
Yeah, she got to open up the door for Jacoby Myers to get two, two of the, those two TDs. Exactly, and two great TDs. Oh my god, the 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 left the corner the left corner end zone touchdown. He destroyed whoever that was off the line. I don't remember who it is, but Jacoby Myers is nasty, man. And Hunter Renfro is not even fully back yet. Um, like you said, Josh Jacobs looks refreshed. He's got his money, new number. Um, the Raiders defense, their pass rush can get to you. Their the rest of their back seven is nothing to like, you know, write home about. But at the same time, thanks, Mike Maniak and John Gruden. But at the same time, I think they're gonna make. I won't say even say make some noise. I think that's a nine. Like I told you, that's a nine and eight, ten and seventeen possibly. And barring an injury, barring someone crapping the bed against them, you could even talk me into ten, eleven wins. So, um, yeah, Denver obviously the offense still doesn't look amazing. It looks better than it did last year. But I'm still not blown away by Russ and what's supposed to be these guys. Judy's still out. Sutton looked more like Sutton. Tim Patrick being and, out. Yeah, but it's funny that Cortland Sutton got most of his targets at the end of the first half. Exactly. So Also, one of my favorite parts of this game is that a mixed extra point is the difference between this game going to overtime. Gosh, Denver. Um, yeah, I think the Russ experiment is over. I'm, like, pulling the plug already. I could be wrong by the end of the year. Shoot, they could be in the Super Bowl by the end of the year. I think it's over, man. I think Peyton saw a payday, maybe one last chance to get some glory, being out of New Orleans, um, gets to probably smoke a lot of pot um, in Denver. <laughs> but um, Sean Peyton tricked y'all. Sean <laughs> Peyton tricked y'all. I mean, why wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't you take that money? Yeah. Okay. Not then. think twice. Not think twice. Be like, oh, this is probably going to go bad, but oh, well, I'll just go back to TV after they fire me. Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, that's how I felt last year. I'm just like... There's no way in regards to what we saw in Seattle, even before, you know, the injury with Russ, literally goes gets this bad this quick. And it's like this, the ongoing issues with Russ still continues, even with having a great play call on Sean Payton. And the thing is, is that, and it's also it's like, you know, obviously we talked about, you know, quarterback archetypes. The Drew Brees, the Drew Brees, Russ Wilson thing. It's like the difference is now is that like Drew Brees, for better or for worse, bad offensive line or not, he will trust his offensive line to at least step up in the pocket and make the throws. And now you're seeing Russ at the first sign of trouble because I saw like this one play. Um, I believe like Sutton is doing like a like a ten and in, and then like instead of like trying to step up to the pocket and like try to make that throw into where Sutton is going. The guy was literally, Russell was already trying to bail out of the pocket and he hit one of his offensive linemen and he got taken down for a sack. Exactly. I, know, just, um, I don't know if Russ has it anymore, man. He doesn't. And that's sad to see and his fall off feels so sudden. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously they're the worst team in that division. Uh, obviously, I think the next game we'll talk about was probably the game of the weekend. Um, but you know what? What if that, in that was- division again? Huh? Oh, wait, hold on. What if what if that was their plan all along? What? Wait, hold on. What if Sean Payton didn't go back to Coach Russ? <laughs> what if he knew the Broncos were going to be terrible? He wanted to get Caleb Williams? Yeah. Caleb Williams would be nice. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money to eat, though. You had to eat that Russ contract. Listen. And they gave him an extension, bro. Well, game extension last year. But still, I think now that if you have an opportunity to get to do a redo with a 21-year-old quarterback who is being listed as generational, 
who cares about Russell? Who cares about Russell Wilson at that point? And we've already seen it with how he already willing to eat all of that cap money after giving Carson an extension for Jalen. No, you're right. You're right. Um, okay. So if you're the Broncos and you're the number one pick, you draft Caleb Williams. You don't even think about it. Not even, not even twice. And you just deal with the repercussions. Yes, I'll deal with the repercussions. That's a lot. It's $250 million. Broncos country is going to hate me regardless. So, I mean, But that's $250 million, Chris. I'm sorry. If I'm a general manager. No one's going to take the contract. That's the only problem. So now you're going to pay Russell Wells. Wells well, what do you take, Caleb, and sit him? Do you see why it's such logistically weird? If he was a contract, you could flip. Like Jared Goff, when you had given him that money, it was a flippable contract. Carson's contract was flippable. It's a $250. Who's taking that, bro? Like, be honest. Be realistic. Just flashing in your head and leave. Who's taking that? Atlanta, but Atlanta probably wants Williams or May or Shador Sanders. Yeah. The Saints when they get done with Derek Carr. Nah, bro. <laughs> I'm kidding. At that point, you just let Jameis play. Oh, man. But listen, that's a year from now. Expected uh, needs and desires change. There's a sucker born every minute, like my dad always says. I mean, no, you're right. So, but I'm just saying, if I'm the Broncos and I got a number one overall pick staring at me right right there. I'm just like, yeah, I, I got to go with Caleb. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, my bad about the Russ contract. Here's Caleb Williams, my guys. We'll figure it out in four years when we got to pay Caleb again. <laughs> if they had two first-round picks, I would say go get Caleb because then you could get Caleb and Marvin, and you'd have Marvin, Jerry, and Cortland, and you just rock out. And go from there. That's true. Forty Niners and Steelers highlights are on right now, and Javon Hargrave just got a sack, and I got sad. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but also let's talk about probably the most entertaining game of the week: the Miami Dolphins going to LA to take on the Chargers. Game of the week, great game. Uh, two in that Miami offense. Proving in week one they were for real. <sighs> Vindication. I'm so glad to us healthy because the disrespect that that kid got in the offseason, I'm just like, all right. And guys. it felt like you and I were the only ones to be like, did y'all not see that team? They were literally a real-life Madden team. <laughs> like, actually. <sighs> also, let me take the time to take this on air and concede this to you. Remember a few years ago? He was like, yeah, I think Tariq Hill is the best wide receiver in the league. And I'm like, what? No, no. It was like, then I really had to think about it. I'm just like, what can't he do? Huh. I'm like, 5'10", fastest receiver in the league. I'm like, I just got to see more. And then, like, he kept showing me more. And I know everybody loves Justin Jefferson. But, listen, wide receiver one is out of Miami, man. He's the best in the league. He's the best in the world. He's the best wide receiver on the planet that plays football. He can do everything. 11 catches, 200 yards. 15 yards and two touchdowns. Also, did you see that throw that Tua made for that second TD? Yes. Right in the bread basket. Yep. 
Chef's guess. So yeah, Miami is who we thought they were. Um, dude, Miami Jacksonville divisional round. That's all I'm asking for. Is that too much to ask for? Maybe. Uh, Miami Jacksonville AFC title game is even not even oh, more. Battle nuts. Miami. The battle of Miami to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. T Law versus Tua. Yeah, but we all know those fans are going to show up around the second half. Who? <laughs> Miami's. I think Jacksonville's fan base is really the Miami's. Uh, I'm talking about Miami's. <laughs> oh no! All right, we on the same. Yeah, like, like, oh snap! This is a con- oh snap! AFC title game. All right, yo, let's go. I guess we grab tickets. It's the <laughs> third quarter, so. He's like, you know, I want to go swimming. They, they got a pool in. They got a pool in Jacksonville Stadium, babe. <laughs> oh, so you're saying Jacksonville's the number one seed? I. They're gonna run them. They're from what I've seen. They're gonna run away with that division. From just from what I saw in week one, my biggest week one concern was that without Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs look mortal. And most people would say, "Well, duh," but it's like, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't look like an eight and eight team without your best player. You should go from like thirteen and four to like ten and seven. Yeah, and I'm sorry, like we watch. Andy Reid led offenses before without their num- without like legitimate number one wide receivers, and their offenses back then didn't look as bad as what we saw on Thursday night. No, it was atrocious, for sure. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. to anybody who wanted to take get any sort of <laughs> any stake in the Chiefs offense. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, I will ask this before we obviously get to the game of the weekend. We get to our guys. Um, What would Miami have to show you for you to believe they can win the Super Bowl? Because I'm already there. If you're not, I wouldn't assume. I've assumed you weren't. Oh, yet. dude, I picked Miami to win the division. The only thing, the only thing is that I have, I've accepted their running game is going to be what it is. So if Moster can look like 2019 Moster and they can get something from Akeem. Yeah. The only hangout that I got is that in January, they're going to need Jalen Ramsey. No. if I'll tell you like this. If he's healthy by December and they're 10-3, and three, people are in trouble. People are very much in trouble. Yeah. I'll be honest. If he's out there, I think they blow out the Chargers. Yeah. You want to know, uh, but let me pose you this. Uh, obviously, T. Higgins didn't get an extension. And the funny thing is that, like, I saw a friend of mine's, uh, like, on my Twitter feed was like, it's like he posted a picture of uh, Trevor Lawrence back when he was Clemson uh, celebrating with T. Higgins. I'm like, I forgot. They were Clemson teammates. Yeah, but I like him. I like their receiving core. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Calvin. I think Calvin's going to be there long term. I don't know about the others, though. I think they like Zay Jones a lot. Now, Christian Kirk is making a lot of money. Yeah. So if you can get out of that contract, I'd trade, I would, in my mind, trade Christian Kirk for T. Higgins. Yeah. And I think the connection would already be there. You wouldn't have to sell him on that. No, that's an easy one. Yeah. But other than that, what are the destinations you potentially see T. Higgins go to? Because this I is. I think Baltimore would be on the board because I'm not sold over Rashad Bateman. Um, the Jets, because they're still not a wide receiver, too. 
for Garrett. Um, just thinking of teams that could use him. Pittsburgh, Chicago, shoot Green Bay, the Giants. Giants. Like, there are a lot of teams that could use a T. Higgins. Solid number two who can fill in as a number one depending on the week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no. Um, but the finale, I guess, for the show, um, our birds, Eagles, Patriots, in Foxborough, Tom Brady Appreciation Day, ugly win, 25-20. Um, could have been worse. Could have been better. Could have been better. I think that's a perfect C grade for a week one opener. I'm not discouraged about who we are as a team. I am concerned about certain things. Our safety group, not impressed. Um, but also, we got young guys. We got guys who weren't really necessarily proven starters anywhere else. So at the end of the day, I can't be too upset with their performance. Linebacker was concerning. Even before N'Kobe went down, he didn't necessarily look amazing. Neither did Zach Cunningham. Um, the D-line was as advertised. Obviously, they didn't get a ton of sacks, but they got enough pressures when it mattered. Shout out to Jalen Carter, man. We, you alluded to us being able to talk about this later. Baby Warren sap strikes again. Eight quarterback pressures, two quarterback hits, and a sack in his debut. The game-winning sack, to be quite honest. Um, Devontae looked in midseason form. A.J. looked great. Obviously, I'd love to see Dallas get the ball. Quez got a couple of touches. The running back situation was weird. Not having Penny active, Kenny got a lot of the looks. Swift looked lost and, like, kind of disinterested. I don't know how that's going to play out. That's probably something to monitor. Hopefully maybe on Thursday against the softer Vikings team, they'll look different. But how did you feel about that? That was one thing I wanted to get you. Swift looked very lost out there on all his plays. The offense looked exactly like they didn't play, like they didn't play with each other since February. Exactly. And it's funny because – after the game, Nick Sirianni was like, yeah, I probably need to reevaluate my stance in terms of how much these guys play in the preseason. Because even if these guys just play a series or two or just one quarter, you then have it in your mind in the acumen in terms of, all right, here's the game speed. Because I feel like not playing since February, and then he was like, all right, listen, I need you guys to be ready at game speed to go against Belichick's defense. is going to give you a bunch of different looks, and, and you need to worry about Matt Judon. That's like, that's a tough. That's a tough thing to handle. That's the equivalent of like, not studying, not studying to take, not studying for a test at all, and then expect them to take like a passing grade. Yeah, no, exactly. But, def- but uh, defense looks good. Uh, I've, I'm really impressed. I feel like the run defense is going to be a lot much, a lot better than what it was last season. Um, obviously, we got the big pick six, with, you know, with Darius Slay, but but yeah, our safety play like is definitely going to miss CJ Garner Johnson. I don't know what made us start Justin Evans, or I don't know if like they weren't confident, you know, we're putting out Sidney Brown. Our pass rush didn't really didn't get home until like the fourth quarter. That was another really cons- big concern to me as well. You have too many. You have too many premier guys up front in order for you not to get to Matt Jones until the fourth quarter. So there were just a lot of, I guess in a way, a lot of stuff you could kind of poke holes in. Granted, I'm not gonna. T- granted, I'll take the win, but just because we won doesn't mean there's 
doesn't mean they're still late. They're not lanes for criticism. Exactly. 98.5 WJYM, running back sports. Hello? Hello? All right. I don't think that was a caller, but if you were a caller, please call back. 215-763-9596. Go ahead. No, um... I guess my two biggest takeaways were the defense looked sloppy. Um, they obviously made big plays. Jordan Davis uh, with the strip tackle and um, big play slay with the pick six. Uh, Jalen Carter with the huge sack. So that part of the defense is still there. I'm not questioning that. And obviously conditions, I think, aided. And also, New England's line is not terrible. It's not. It's not. So, and um, more so, I wanted to speak on New England, man. A lot of people just kind of crapped on New England and thought they weren't going to. That's an excellent defense. That it also showed me that how good the Eagles are going to be. Because if you tell us we put up 25 points, obviously 19 of those, six of those coming from um, uh, Slay, against a team that I think probably has the best defense in the league, I can't be mad at that. Um, so with that being said, I don't know how you feel, but I come away from week one looking like I still favor us against the Vikings in week two. Um, and I think our offense is going to get a chance to really show off against a Vikings team that is nowhere near the caliber of defense that New England is. No, agreed. But on Thursday, I I just need to see a little bit more creativity, some some stuff open up. Take that'll some, that'll be when I'll get concerned. If the play calling still stays the same, I'll be concerned then. Yeah, because my one concern that I took away from the Thursday night game is that Eric Bian- with Eric Bannon gone, Matt Nagy is now calling the players for Kansas City. And I'm like, you can tell, a lot of conservative stuff. Yep. And the one thing I was really worried about, I'm like, oh, we also lost our offensive coordinator. And you saw, even with the amount of lack of talent that the Colts had, Shane Sykes had out, Anthony Richardson out there ready to play. He schemed stuff for Josh, uh, Josh Downs to get open down the field. He had, Michael Pittman got a touchdown. Like, the Colts' offense looked better than ours on Sunday. Granted, exactly. the Patriots' defense is a lot better than Jacksonville's defense, but I just hope that us not losing both of our coordinators is really is a sign to come that it's actually going to hurt us in the long run. I don't think so because I trust in the structure of our team, but you never know. It's kind of what was the downfall of the Eagles' Super Bowl team is both of our guys got poached. Now, it is funny that neither one of those guys are coaching right now, I believe, unless I'm tripping. Frank Wright is coaching. Frank's back, yeah, he's coaching. And Jim Schwartz is coaching uh, the Browns defense. He's the Browns defense, right? Yeah. Huh. (laughs) But um, the Browns defense that was balling. Jim Schwartz, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no. um, Oh, but, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, speaking, speaking of former defensive coordinators. Listen, we all know the Cardinals are, are doing the tank job, but they look pretty damn good doing it. <laughs> they play well for Gannon. Yeah. They play well for him. Washington, on the other hand, yeah. Ron Rivera, you are on the hot seat, my friend. Yeah. Thanks. For sure. Um, what I feel like, what other games are we missing? Oh, New Orleans and Tennessee is the last game. Any notes? I Marvin, uh, Tennessee's on Marvin Watch. I'll put that out there. It's another team. I don't think Marvin's going to. Nah, I don't want Marvin there. Why? 
they don't have the way that they're constructed. You already have DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is not getting a bunch of targets. I don't think they have. The yeah, court. but if you had DeAndre, well, it's only one deal, deal. But if you had a DeAndre and Marvin group, that'd be fire. I mean, sure. But my thing is, all right. My biggest takeaway in regards to Tennessee is that number one, don't tell me that Mike Vrabel can't coach. Two, I've been a Ryan Tannehill. I'm not gonna say defender. I'm gonna say advocate, but. Sooner or later, you got to pull that plug and you got to see what Will Levis has. Yep. Because that defense gave you every single opportunity to go down to New Orleans and win. Defense and special teams gave you every single opportunity to go down and win. They got a turnover on the kickoff on the first play. Exactly. And the fact that you only went down there to kick five field goals is absolutely embarrassing. They should have beaten New Orleans handily, mm-hmm. and their Jaguar, their uh, Jacksonville's only real competition in AFC South. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's really my only takeaway. I think eventually you got to move on from Ryan Tannehill, and unpopular opinion, I, they eventually have to move on from Derrick Henry as well. Yep. Okay, so before we wrap things up, I want to ask one final set of questions. Most impressive team this week, most least least impressive team this week. Most impressive player, least impressive player, most impressive rookie, least impressive rookie. Most impressive team just from all combination of offense to defense 49ers. Okay. Least impressive team the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. But most impressive player is obviously Tua. Yeah. yeah. Least impressive player. The entire new the entire offensive line of the New York Giants. That's fair. Yeah. Most impressive rookie. Obviously Anthony Richardson. Least impressive rookie. Trying to think. I don't know. I don't. I don't have one. Okay. Uh, most impressive team for me, Green Bay. You've been calling it all off season. They're a cohesive unit. They know how to play together. They know how to win. Jordan Love knows that system. As long as he makes the right throws, they should win games and they should be in a lot of games. Um, they picked the part of the terrible Bears team, but the key thing we uh, we were talking about earlier is they picked them apart. They look like the better team. Least impressive team, um, I'm going to stay in the AFC North Baltimore. A 25-9 win that looks very deceiving. They looked It looked, was ugly. It was sluggish. The offense really didn't get going. Now, the Texans defense could be better than we think, but it was just an ugly game, and I wasn't impressed after an offseason of not only myself, but everybody I knew hyping up this Baltimore team. Um. I guess most impressive player. Most impressive player. Tyreek Hill to stay in Miami. So once again to to finally have put that that to bed to bed. Um, Tyreek Hill is the best receiver in football, man. He's an instant game changer. It is literally a miracle that Ted Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl without him, and that speaks to his greatness. But also tells you how great that team could have been if you keep Tyreek Hill. 
So, um, least impressive player, Daniel Jones. He was a guy who I really kind of started to believe in towards the end of the year. Like, yeah, man, he's going to turn that corner. You give him some weapons. Now, obviously, that line wasn't great, but it just felt like he didn't have any command. There was no, there was no answer for him. And, obviously, a lot of that could have just been him. But, you know, um, most impressive rookie. Since you already said AR, I'm going to come up with someone else. Most impressive rookie. Bijan. He looked as advertised. No, he wasn't 150 yards from scrimmage, nothing crazy, but think about 100 yards from scrimmage, a touchdown, freak play on the touchdown. Him and Algier looked good together in that backfield. So, yeah, least impressive rookie, your boy CJ. He looked lost out there. That offense didn't really move. Um, obviously, it'll be interesting to see if him getting more weapons over time and getting more adjusted, but I just wasn't really impressed the way I thought I was going to be. That's yeah. Fair. Fair. And uh, also, one last thing, shout out Coach Prime, 2-0 down at the uh, at Colorado. Let's go, Coach Prime. Yep. Yep, 2-0, just like how everyone predicted it. For sure. Yep. And uh, on that note... We're gonna we're gonna close up shop a little bit early today. You know, once again, this has been Chris Thomas, Jamal Thomas, and you've been listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, every Tuesday from six to eight p.m. Eastern. We appreciate the calls. We appreciate you tuning in. It's on ninety eight point five WJYN Uptown Radio Philly dot org, live on YouTube on WJYN Uptown Radio ninety eight point five, or online music box. Once again, we will see you next week. Peace.